Okay, I've got a question for you. What do Muji, Heli Hansen, Allbirds, and Simba all have in common? They all use Yachtpo. Yachtpo is a one-stop shop for nearly everything e-commerce brands need to grow. They started with reviews to help you convert more visitors, but they've also got a referral feature so your customers can introduce their friends to your products. You can run your loyalty scheme through Yachtpo, so when an existing customer does something like shares a product on their socials, you can give them points, which then pulls them back to your site to spend again. Oh, and you can use the SMS feature to make sure your customers actually engage with these tools, because little known fact, SMS performs much better than email in this context. So if you're in e-commerce and want better customer acquisition and retention, check out yachtpo.com secret. That's yachtpo.com secret. Now, onto the show. I could arguably say that most of my CV is full of failed startups and scale-ups. There's a fairly large number of them in my background. That's Jessica Butcher, MBE, a successful serial entrepreneur. But back in 2018, she was the co-founder of Tip, a user-generated short-form video platform that now sits in her failure column. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because we hear about success all the time, but not its far more common cousin, failure. We want to change that with the help of founders like Jess sharing their lowest moments. Jess started the business with people she was originally mentoring. She got so excited about the concept that she hopped on the founding team. I'll let her take it from here. We had a, a really exciting time, obviously, brainstorming. That's always the fun part of a startup, right? You think you've got a great idea and you just want to run full pelt at it. And then, you know, shit gets real quite quickly. Uh, you fundraise, that's exciting because you get other people excited by your vision. And then you've got to deliver. And as good as our concept and idea was, we had a number of things working against us. First of all, we were launching a vertical mobile first step-by-step story-style video platform, and we called it Tick. Tick Done was the, the slogan. And about two months after we launched it, TikTok took off, uh, which was super embarrassing because a lot of my friends thought I was one of the founders of TikTok, and they were like, wow, you're doing amazing. I hear about you everywhere. And I was like, ah, not me. But there were a load of challenges, I guess, partly in the market conditions. But I also think with hindsight, you know, our lack of expertise and knowing how to build user-generated content, you know, you can have great ideas, but ultimately it all rests on the execution. And I think crucially, finding a problem that you're really solving and making so much better than any other solution in the market. And I think we just really struggle to find product market fit with that. So what we wanted to be, or our aspiration was to be, um, you know, the, the most commonly asked questions when anyone goes to Google is, how do I XYZ? And what we recognized was that social media platforms have become these very um, narcissistic kind of showing off platforms. And there was a real dearth of educational how-to content within the platform. So we wanted to make that our niche. And we also recognized that the world had become mobile first and YouTube videos simply weren't cutting it anymore when it came to very quick assimilation of information. And yet the stories format that had been popularized by Instagram and Snap increasingly was so perfect for this very quick injection of knowledge. So you could just go bang, 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 scroll, scroll, scroll 
question answered in a very visual way. So there were certain types of content that it lent itself to really beautifully. I feel like I'm back in my pitch days now from from when I was with Tick. Um, And I guess that was how we were trying to find our niche. And I think with hindsight, we probably should have prioritized a few of those niches and just really worked them, found the right creators for those niches. And instead, we stayed for too long trying to to do too many different verticals at once to see whether we would start to snowball or get traction in some of those areas. And ultimately, from my perspective as a sort of lead marketer on the team, I guess I understood that I really didn't understand that kind of social social media consumer first type of marketing my background has primarily been b2b and b2b2c and this there's a whole different science to user generated social media marketing that i you know i started to feel very ignorant within very very quickly positioning the business was tough especially because they weren't trying to do what most people thought they were Ours was in some ways actually an anti-internet proposition. We wanted to give people that information sooner so that they could get offline. So we weren't seeking to build these sort of validation, dopamine-driven, like type of behavior and culture, which was why at the time, I don't think it even occurred to us that we would be perceived as, you know, similar in any way. It was simply just because we had a similar name. But that wasn't what felled us, ultimately. We ran out of runway, as so many startups do. And we ran out of steam, I think, with the, with the problems that we were looking to solve. And I guess that was one of the big learnings I took away from that, much as I love the vision. I'm not sure that from the creator perspective, we were solving a problem. And that was ultimately our biggest challenge. I think there was an audience for the content, And our point of difference was that our content would live on the open web. It wouldn't just live within our closed app. Our app was a creator tool, but we were going to publish the videos to the the Google AMP story, the accelerated mobile pages story, because Google was proactively trying to encourage as many mobile video first creators to get their content onto the web. So we saw our route to market as actually more of an SEO route to market rather than app acquisition. But we didn't build a compelling enough creator tool to create the sort of volumes of content that could have then driven that SEO. And then we kind of ran out of steam. And it was it was unfortunate, but it was a great journey. And you know, I, I'm sure you had this conversation with almost everybody on a on a failure themed um, podcast is who says it's a failure, right? You know, that's, yes, it failed to the extent that it no longer exists. I don't deem experiments as failures. I deem them as experiments. Now, you do feel regret and disappointment when you've invested heart and soul into something. And in particular, I think you feel that regret and disappointment where other people's money is concerned or more importantly, I think other people's careers are concerned because that is very, very uh, traumatic for you as a manager and obviously for those individuals. If they take on a job with great promise and with huge excitement and they give it their all and all their passion and their time and they work around the clock for you and that whole dream just dissipates, that, that is heartbreaking. And so, yeah, I guess that's the, there's a definition of failure there. But on a personal level, a lot of the projects that I've worked on haven't gone on to succeed. Um, And as I said, arguably, I've got more of those than I do successes under my belt. 
But from each have come learnings, have come network and incredible people that I've got to know that I've learned from and that are now part of my most valued asset, my network of incredible, inspiring, talented people. And, you know, different pathways open, different directions open as a result of both of those things. It became clear that Tick wasn't going to work. So Jess and her co-founders took the difficult decision to close it down. Despite Jess looking back on the whole experience as a useful experiment, that's not how she felt at the time. It did hurt. It came at a funny time as it came. We made that decision sort of two months before lockdown happened. Part of me thought, thank God, in some ways, because, you know, lockdown was very stressful for everyone. I've got a a young family, you know, so I found myself homeschooling three children under eight and kind of embracing the opportunity to actually step back and be able to spend that time with my family. I guess the other thing that it did lead me into, though, because I found myself then effectively quite unemployed at the beginning of lockdown and questioning what next, I really started to question my identity and whether I was an entrepreneur and whether I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So those big capital E existential questions as to, you know, is is this what I want? Not just, is this what I want? Am I entrepreneur through and through or am I just entrepreneurial? You know, do I need to have that sense of ownership of the vision and the product? How far is that my motivation versus the problems that I'm looking to solve? And if I'm honest, I, I wrestled with that for about two years. I flirted with a number of different portfolio ideas and I, I struggled to commit to anything for a long time. I think that feeling of that, that last big adventure and that slight loss of face that you feel where you've told everybody, this is the thing, this is what I'm working on, this is what you know the, the future looks like in Jess world and you know watch this space. And you go out there all guns blazing and you tell the world that and then it kind of just sort of fizzles away. And probably like most entrepreneurs, there was no great announcement on my LinkedIn that I wasn't doing anymore. I just sort of went very quiet for a while and, you know, didn't do it. Oh, well, that didn't work out. I've seen other entrepreneurs be a lot braver about that and do this sort of post-diagnosis, post-mortem and say, look, this was my journey. It didn't work out. My preference was just to go, huh, I don't know how I feel about this right now. I'm kind of going to sit on it. I'm going to let it percolate in my back brain. And I spent two years almost in that cycle. It's something most of us will be familiar with, taking a knock and then having to reflect on who you are and what you want. But after a couple of years of introspection, where did Jess come out on the other side? That I don't need to be an entrepreneur with a capital E. That long period of you know spending too long in my own head post the demise of Tick also taught me that I create and think best in collaboration with other people, which is why I've always found myself in co-founding teams and why I need need to be inspired by the people around me to really be able to create and to deliver well. So I knew that that collaboration was important. Rather than having to say, I am this and give myself a label, I identified, I guess, the considerations and the parameters that I needed in order to feel professionally excited and fulfilled. And I realized with some shock that that didn't mean I needed to own and start my own company. It was more about wanting to have some autonomy. Autonomy is important to me, but only in so far as, you know, I'm given 
you know, a project or a problem that I care about. And this is your world to help solve that problem. And this is, you know, what, what you can do and how you can contribute in collaboration with really great experts in other business disciplines to take that vision to market. Listening to Jess, I was reminded of a quote by Rumi, an amazing 13th century Persian poet you should definitely check out if you're in a tough spot. He said, the wound is the place where the light enters you. Failing hurts, but it's after failing that we really grow. You've been listening to our bite-sized series on failure, and I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you want to hear more stories of failure, setbacks, and how they impact success, then give us a follow on your podcast app and make sure you share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.